So what I want to do is talk a bit about the, the rewards of fruitfulness. And then at the end, uh, we'll talk a bit about, I mean, I'll just get us ready for prayer. Um, so we'll probably just move through. I'll maybe in the pause, in the break, I'll just get you to stand, stretch, and then we'll just jump in because we want to plow through. So the rewards of faithfulness. What's in it for me? Ask your neighbor, what's in it for me? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because for some of us who've been in the Lord, we're taught you don't ask for rewards, just serve. Be a good servant and just serve. Because you're not serving God for reward. And it's true. I don't think we serve, we don't, we don't serve God for rewards. Uh, in fact, what I was taught as a young Christian is when you got saved, you got all the reward you'll ever need. Do you know that? Like, you got connection, reconnection with your spiritual father. You got the authority back over the earth and the planet. You already have everything you'll ever need from God. Even if you served for a thousand years, it would not be enough to repay him for what he did at Calvary. However, tell your neighbor, however, yes, there is a reward for serving God. Isn't that amazing? That God saves us, calls us to the biggest privilege of life to serve, and then he rewards, that for it, rewards us for it. That there's actually a reward for serving God. And it's not something that is something we should be shy about. God actually is a rewarder. Hebrews 11.6. This is a very powerful verse. And we talked a bit about it at family night last week. That, you know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because everyone who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So, you know what? Faith is understanding God is able and God is willing. I've come to understand, by the way, that's the simplest definition I'll ever have of faith. It changes your life when you understand that. Sin loses mastery over you. You stop fearing anything. You live very differently when you understand those things. He exists, he's able, and he rewards. You know, I was talking about this with my kids, and we're just saying, if you believe those two things, by the way, you'll never lie. Why? He exists. God is right here. Can you tell a lie if, you, if Jesus was just standing there watching you? Yeah. Why did you lie? Because you don't have faith. You don't actually believe he exists. Or, you know he exists, but you're like, let me lie anyway because you don't reward. Let me reward myself. Those are the only two reasons why we sin. Because you don't believe that God exists, and you don't believe that he rewards. So once you get that in your life, by the way, you become an unstoppable person. Because there's nothing that stops me. Whatever you tell me, he's here. And he exists. It doesn't matter whether you're my boss. He exists. And if you tell me to do wrong, I can't. Why? Because he rewards <laughs> those who are diligent. So that, it's so, you know, the Bible sometimes says the most complex things in the simplest language. And you can read that, that, read that verse and not understand. This is actually the essence for living life on earth. That God exists and he rewards. And all the people in that chapter after that, because that's Hebrews 11, the chapter of faith, all of them had faith. They were commended because they knew God exists and that he rewards. That's why Noah, by faith, was able to shun his whole generation and build an ark while everybody was laughing at him. Why? Because he knew God exists and God rewards. That's why Abraham was willing to sacrifice his own son. Come on, somebody. Even your son, your child, cannot become an idol before God. When God says, this is my child, you give up. Abraham did that. Why? Because he knew he exists and he rewards. And the Bible says that some of these people were stoned. Some of them were, were skinned. Some of them, they, you know, they, they, they went on the high seas. Why? Because they knew God rewards and he exists. 
That thing changes your life when you understand it. God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. So we're going to talk about what happens when you're fruitful. What are the re rewards that God gives us when we're fruitful? Because God is a rewarder. And God wants us to be fruitful. And we've defined fruitfulness. We've said fruitfulness is lives. Because the person who is righteous saves lives, isn't it? So we've said that God wants every one of us to have a list around us of people who have been impacted by our lives. This person came to Christ because of me. This person is now working with Jesus because of me. This marriage is saved because of me. That's what Jesus wants of us. That's why we're here on earth. But what are the rewards when you live that kind of life? Because many times it's always a thing of, but I, if I live for myself, if I give God like 60% and the rest I do what I really want, like what, what you know, you have to actually do a cost-benefit analysis, isn't it? So that you're able to say, I can give God 100% because this, this is worth it. What's the reward of serving God? And I want to just talk about, about a bit about, I'm going to really rush through this. What's, what's the reward? What happens when your life begins to impact people? What happens when you begin to see spiritual children? What happens when you, when you start using your house as a venue for God to impact people? As you start seeing your house, uh, your car, as a, as a tool for ministry? What happens when you begin to give yourself, when you become all in serving Jesus? What's the reward? I'll give you several rewards. And like I said, this one I'm just going to rush through. The first is answered prayer answered prayer. That's a reward of fruitfulness. In fact, it's interesting because John 15 verse 6 to 7, Jesus said these words. He said, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burnt. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. Come on, somebody. Ask whatever Oh my God. That's what you call a blank check. He's basically signed the check, Almighty God, and told you, fill it in. Ask whatever you wish. Oh my gosh. There are people who actually ask God and God does it. In fact, it's interesting. I was, I was saying, I can't remember who I was telling today. I think I was talking to Mogore and I was saying, somebody just said this. I think it was Abmo. Somebody said it. He said, there are some people who shout on earth and it's a whisper in the spiritual realm. And then there are people who just need to whisper on earth. And it's a shout in heaven. Yeah, they just ask. And boom, fruitfulness, boom. You know, I was, the example I was giving uh, my sister, Mogori, I was telling her, when I've met Reverend Deboe, anybody who's ever met or heard that man, he's the humblest guy. Humble. By the way, is he an exciting preacher? No. You know, I used to hear Pastor Obasike preach. I was like, I can't wait to meet her father. What? Like, this church must be full of because she's a fiery woman. That guy, let me tell you, if he starts talking, you will stand and go to the box as you don't. Like, that's, he's not, he's not exciting. He speaks, children, father is saying, have you heard him talk? Like, you, get, you even have to strain. But then some of the things he says are ridiculous ridiculous. I remember hearing him say, when I come into a city, Freemasons can't have their meetings. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like demonic activity just stops because I'm in a city. Like, Who are you? <laughs> Who are you? By the way, he, he says such things. He was like, guys, don't worry. In fact, I remember he came during post-election violence. He's 
his visit to Kenya was coinciding with post-election violence. So people were so fretful, pastors are so afraid. Even when you're there, you're thinking about... He said, don't worry. By the end of this week, that time I think it was Raila who was like, this thing cannot end. No, no peace, no justice, no peace. And the country was going to burn. He said, don't worry. By the end of the week, Raila Odinga himself will stand here and he will tell you the country won't burn. Let's just listen to God's word. You're like, what do you mean? How? Can you know Raila? <laughs> By the end of that week, Honorable Raila Odinga stood on that stage and told people, we've signed a deal, this country is not burning. You're like, how did you know? You know what? There's something that that man has done. When he has his prayer meeting, there are a million people. There's a million disciples. They come there every month. A million people from his church to pray. There are maybe four million of them. <laughs> there is a power behind that man. He doesn't need to shout. He just whispers. See, I told you something about concerted power. When there's prayer and people are praying in one accord. When there are four million people praying in one accord, the devil can do nothing. Yeah. So his prayers are answered without him straining or thinking. He just says it and it is done because of the power of agreement. Now, if you have no disciples, who's agreeing with you? When you pray, nobody agrees. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> By the way, I began to understand this. I began to understand the power of agreement makes, it's what makes things happen. In the spiritual realm, there are times when God says to me, tell the church this. And the other time God says, tell them what you is in your heart. And I say it. And I even say this one, even as I'm saying it, I'm trembling because God hasn't told me specifically. But we need to do this. But you know what? The power of agreement makes it very possible. It will happen. Simply because there are people who are in your space who are agreeing with the word that you say. So every one of us, the power of agreement is meant to work for you. That you have disciples in your house. That when you pray and say, in the name of Jesus, it is done. There are people who are saying, Amen. Boom, so be it. The doors are open in the spiritual realm because there is power behind you. This is a fruit of disciple making, by the way. If you want to have answered prayers, have disciples in your place. If you want your company to have answered prayer, make sure all the people in that company are disciples. Because when you say this tender, it is going in Jesus' name. They all say amen, it is done. Prayers have been answered just because you have disciples. You have people who are in accord with you. Some of us in your workplace, when you say that, they all say no, it won't happen. Why should you even improve and us guys are being left behind? When there's disagreement, by the way, nothing happens. It's just shut down. So there's answered prayer. Tell your neighbor, answered prayer. This is the fruit. This is how you get a direct line to heaven. Have disciples. Have disciples. Number two, God's glory. God's glory. By the way, I've learned even at home to agree with my children. That's how simple this thing is. When we pray and somebody's sick, we come with my kids and we lay hands. It is much more powerful than me laying hands by myself. And yet I'm the father and a pastor. I've not, even my children's faith combined with mine is more powerful than my faith alone. There's just something that happens. Answered prayer when there's agreement. Are you teaching your children to be disciples? So they agree with you in prayer and it is done in Jesus' name. This is the fruit. Number two, God's glory. God's glory. Again, John 15, 8, this is Jesus saying. He says, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit. Oh, come on, somebody. When you bear fruit, there is glory that goes to God. 
In other words, you make God look good. You represent brand Jesus. Every time you make disciples, God's like, oh, come on. Yeah, he's so happy. You're representing him as you should. You're showing his power to a watching world. There's this verse we were reading the other day. I can't remember what book it was when you're reading through the New Testament with you guys, where Paul says that through the church, God has, I think it was in Ephesians, and I think Ephesians 5 or something, like God has allowed the church in its weakness to become the display of God's glory to the powers in the spiritual realm. Like this weak church that is here with all our issues, that God has intended that the devil will shake and see God's glory because of us. With all our issues, by the way. And that's what happens that when we start to make disciples, boom, God looks good. His glory is seen. You walk around as a glory giver to God. You walk around as God's billboard. Let me ask you, if there was a billboard that had your picture on it, see, when you'd look after that billboard. Yeah, yeah, you want it to look good. Yeah, yeah. No vandalism allowed on my billboard. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so you get... You give glory to God. I want to give glory to God, guys. I want my life to give God glory to God. I want God to be happy about me. I want him to be able to boast about me. God boasts about Job. Have you seen my servant Job? Eish. As in, you're the one God is, when he's talking to the angels and the council, he's like, have you seen my servant Jackie? Eish. Have you seen this woman? Can you, by the way, can you imagine God having a conversation with his angels about you? You're the agenda. <laughs> it's so possible. It is you, you make him look good. Jesus has already told you, it is to my father's glory. God is glorified because of you. Number three, more fruit. More fruit. It's so interesting because the reward for fruit is more fruit. And Jesus says in John 15, verse 1 to 2, I'm the, I'm the true vine, my father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Like God desires you to be fruitful. And we remember the parable we read earlier. The guy who had more, who had some, even more was added. So when you have fruit, God gives you more fruit. And it just, it's this spirally thing that begins to happen in your life. You just find that you're more effective in ministry. You're impacting more lives. Just because you had the, the guts to start impacting your first ones. It's just a really amazing thing that begins to happen. More fruit. That's why I'm so excited that there are campus past our students uh, in this room. Because I'm like, man, you start bearing fruit at your age. Oh, my gosh. Like, by the time you're, by the time you're hitting the age some of us are, you will be world-renowned. There's been, there'll be no answer that God can, there'll be no prayer God can't answer. Because of the many people that you've impacted, you have more fruit whenever you bear fruit. And that's something that I desire in my life as well. Number four, generational blessing. Generational blessing. I move to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 8.8. 8. It says, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. You know, God blesses generationally. He says, I'm going to give you ability to make wealth so I can confirm my covenant with your ancestor, Abraham. Because Abraham has descendants, there's generational blessing upon him. Like his children's children, like what generation are we from Abraham? And God is saying, I'm going to give you ability to make wealth, Nyambura, so that Abraham is glorified. So that Abraham is, is, his blessings continue. Because why? Because the man had fruitfulness. So, hey, I want my generations to be blessed after me. 
I want anybody who's impacted by my name to be gen- to, long after I'm gone. I want the blessings to reverberate until even after people have forgotten me. There are blessings. There are blessings. I've met. Uh, I've had the privilege of meeting fifth, sixth generation pastors. Uh, I remember when I was in uh, theological school, it was such an interesting thing. I met, I remember this guy called Rick. Rick was just this guy who, he was, in fact, as a student, I was a way better student than him. He had, he had, um, what's this thing when you can't read, right? Um, dyslexia. He had dyslexia. So, and yet he's, re- he's studying Greek, Hebrew. I mean, those are not things for dyslexia. They're hard things. But he was there. But it was interesting because one thing I noticed about Rick, as much as he was uh, not as good a student as me, he was 10 times the pastor I could even imagine being. Somehow, the guy just had grace. Like he would just talk to people. You just see people being attracted to Rick. Teachers were attracted to him. Uh, People in class were attracted to him. He was just, people just liked him. There was just a favor in his life. When I talked to him, it was so, I can't even explain this. I'd never understood I'd never seen anything like this. He had an ease in his spiritual life. Prayer was not worry. worry. He didn't have to think about prayer. It just happened. And I was like, how do you become like this? Even he didn't know, by the way. Until one day when I began to understand, he could trace back pastors in his lineage like for six generations. I said, what has happened is people have just uprooted, uprooted, uprooted all demonic influence, all hindrances, all chains. Things have just been uprooted for such generations. The guy is just flowing in favor. He's just flowing in favor. And by the way, I saw that because my dad is a pastor. So I'm a second generation pastor. And I was like, this is what happens down generations when there's godliness and their generations. So guess what? When you're fruitful, it's not just yourself you're blessing. You're blessing your children. In fact, my prayer for me is that my children will be more fruitful than me. And you know, I tell them that. I tell them, by the way, guys, me, I'm so fruitful. eh? Like, even as I pray this, I don't even know how. But you're supposed to be more fruitful than me. So I'm speaking over you. You will be more fruitful than me. You will have more impact than I will have. Yeah, you will. And why? Because God is a covenant-keeping God, and he blesses generationally. So if you have no generations, who's going to be blessed after you leave this earth? Yeah, because you know those Christians, their coffin is here, we talk about their good deeds, and then we bury them. But there's no lasting impact of their lives because nobody was discipled by them. And so generation, the blessing stopped with you. Tell your neighbor, it's not going to stop with me. Yeah. God wants me to have generational blessing. And by the way, this thing is so real. There are some things my kids don't even struggle up. By the way, my mom, I see things she struggled with that are serious things. Like my mom's family, they struggle with poverty. They just came from a place where there was generational poverty. So her side of the family, people are poor. And it's not lack of opportunities. They just have it. I wish my bro was here, Mutahi. Uh, he'd testify to this. Like my uncles, it's just difficult. But there are some things that my mother has done, I'm convinced, because that is not our portion. Like, I don't struggle to make money. I don't actually think, I don't even have a poverty mentality of money will finish. I don't believe that. It's always there. Why? Because somebody broke it. So I'm already flowing in blessings that were not there in my parents' generation. My parents have prayed prayers for us for years. And it's interesting because they discipled us. Uh, Remember, I told you I can't even miss church without feeling like something is missing. They discipled us. But it's very interesting because they were not very successful entrepreneurs. The two of them. But somehow, between Kara and I, it's not even an issue. 
We don't struggle to think of entrepreneurial ideas. I believe that my children will be more blessed than me because that is a heritage that I come from. So what I'm talking about is that God gives you generational blessing when you're fruitful. And why wouldn't you want Sean to be more fruitful than you? Come on. Yeah. I want, every father wants his children to be more blessed, to be more fruitful. Number five is impact. Number five is impact. Uh, Gen- Genesis 17, 6. I'm just giving you promises that come alongside fruitfulness. Genesis 17, 6. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I mean, God is talking to a farmer at that point. The only thing this guy has ever led is cows. And God is, cows, no, no, not cows. Cows. Ngombe. <laughs> That's all the guy has ever led. And then God is saying, because of your fruitfulness, kings will come from you. Kings will come from you. Queens will come from you. Influential people will come out of your lineage. That's who God is calling you to be. That you will impact people who even people will not believe when you say I'm related to them. Yeah, that's who God wants us to be. You know, some of us are going to impact presidents through our discipleship. And you're going to raise them up. Yeah. It's, it's governmental anointing, yeah. You will. Simply because God is that God of impact. He says, when I'll bless you and, you make, and when you're fruitful, kings will come out of you. Oh my goodness, I, want, I see kings coming out of me. I see, I see presidents. I see leaders of nations. I see people who bless and are called to address the UN coming from this place. I see them. Yeah, this is who God has called. It's just the fruit of fruit. It's, it's a gift. It's the thing God gives because we are fruitful. Yeah, it's just, it comes with it. We don't have to earn it. Security. Security, number six. This one I really enjoy. It says, Psalm 105, verse 24. The Lord made his people very fruitful. He made them too numerous for their foes. You know, there's something very powerful that comes to you when you have spiritual descendants. You become too powerful for your foes. I talked about Reverend Adeboye. Uh, by the way, there are so many people who I know who I can talk to you as movement leaders. They are almost, they're literally untouchable. Like Reverend Adeboe, he's the level of opposition such people get is governmental level. If you hear the things Bishop Doug Hayward Mills deals with, it is national issues, principalities. But the man is untouched. I mean, he's not touched because he has forces. His people are too numerous for their foes. I think at one point the governor was giving them a bit of problems. So he decided, I think we need to let the government know we're not just a tiny church. So he called all his churches in Ghana and said, we're going to have a service. We never had a service together. And said, well, they hired the national stadium. I think over 100,000 people had showed up before the, minute the meeting started. People from his church, no announcements, no billboards. Hey, the government just started consulting him directly now. <laughs> it's, it's like, you can't mess with that church. Because they're numerous for their foes. And these are not just, by the time you tell people, and by the way, he told them, it was an Easter service, he told them, everybody comes dressed in black. Because Easter is about dying. A hundred thousand people in the city, dressed in black. They're like, okay, sour. There's power in this city. Am I talking to somebody in the house? Yeah, because he has disciples, not just followers, not just crowds. When you have crowds, people say, hey, let me sleep in. We're not meeting in our church. But he has disciples. Too numerous for your foes. Psalm 127 verse 3 to 5. It says the same thing. It says, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man, blessed is the woman 
whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Yeah. You'll not be put to shame just because you have these descendants. They will speak up for you. They will stand up for you. They will pray for you. And you will not be put to shame. Uh, I talked to Sunday Adelaja, this guy who has a church, I think they had almost 100,000 in Ukraine. I mean, the opposition the man has faced, just because he's black, leading a church in an Eastern European country, has been huge. The government has tried to take him down. Other churches have tried to take him down. People talk all kinds of things against him. But it's like, you talk. Me, I'm just here. There's a great work I'm doing. I can't come down. And just to see the peace of God on the person. He's just teaching the word. That's all he's doing. But his enemies cannot stand against you. Your enemies will not be able to stand against you. Your enemies will not be able to stand against you. And some of you, you're too young to have enemies right now. But they're coming. <laughs> yeah, when I was young, I used to say, who can be my enemy, surely? I'm such a nice guy. They are coming. <laughs> yeah. But when they come, you're going to be ready. Yeah. You'll be ready for them. And they will not be able to stand up against you. Uh, number seven, spiritual family. Spiritual family. This is, for me, one of the greatest rewards of fruitfulness. That you build a spiritual family. If you read the book of Philippians, man, I'm, that book is so mushy. It is, eh? Like, I've been reading Paul, I'm like, hey, dude. Like, for the first time, just because of being family, I'm like, man, the things, I long for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. He's like, what? Like, this is an apostle talking to his church, but he's talking to, it's like love language. It's like so, it's so mushy. But it's because he, there's a family around him. It's so loving to be in that space. In Philippians 4 verse 1, he says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends. You're my joy and the crown I receive for my work. I mean, this guy, he started this church. He led, met this woman called Lydia. He started a discipleship group in our home. This church has now grown. And now there are even some of the people, he doesn't even know them, but they're his joy and crown. And he loves them. Let me tell you this. Huh? I used to travel around. Like somebody was asking me, Pastor, you're not tired. You're in Rwanda the other day. You are in Uganda the just before that. Then you're in Berlin the other day. Like, isn't this tiring? I said, you don't even understand the kind of fuel I'm getting from being in these spaces. Pastor Angie, were we tired after Germany? It was, in, it was really exhausting, wasn't it, in terms of work? But wasn't it amazing? Like, we'd have stayed another week if we needed to. <laughs> and you know what it was? It's the family. Like, I feel like when I go to Rwanda, the people who meet me at the airport are no longer Rwandans. They're my family. They're my family. And they actually love me and I love them. You, let me tell you, what, we'll, that's why I want you to come on these trips, trips with us. Because you're going to understand you're part of a bigger family. There are people who will hug you like their long-lost sister. And you'll be like, what? There are people who actually love me. Like, you're like, what? That's what happens when you are in a place of discipleship. We're no longer just a congregation. We're a family. I remember in Germany, I mean, Pastor Kilonzi, one kid uh, came and gave him a gift. A, a German cowboy. Just gave him a gift and then walked off crying. Like the kid was weeping. So Kilonzi was like, what did I do? So the father was explaining to him, it's just that he's not going to see you again. You're leaving. Like, like for real, it was so, it was, it was of tears. 
It was of tears. We've just spent a few days with them, but they're our family. They recognize it because we are one. We're speaking the same language. I remember just hugging a couple of people there. There's, there are people who, I remember as we hugged, Carol and I, and we'd be like in a forehug with a couple, and we're crying. And they're like, when are we seeing you again? And we're like, we're coming next year. We're coming next year. It's like, calm. It's family. There's something beautiful. And you guys have experienced it in your churches, haven't you? You've begun to see, some of you have begun to see the joy of being a family. It's so much more fun when you serve God as a family. You enjoy it. It's a, and we're going to do it for a long time. Yeah. We're going to be together for a long time. It's a long journey together. There's an ownership we have for each other that is beautiful. So you're going to enjoy the benefits. Some of you are just about to start enjoying the benefits of family. Let me tell you, when you have family, you just, you just enjoy. It's, you have the joy of the Lord. It's a joyful thing. Uh, mark my words, because right now some of you are like, do dee you don't, I'm speaking words, you're not really understanding them. But it's going to happen to you. And God will give you disciples and you will love them so much. You'll be like, Paul, I long for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. This is what begins to happen. Your life begins to shift as you just fall in love with the people God has given you. And then the last one is eternal blessing. Eternal blessing. Uh, Philippians, again, Paul says, I love and long to see you, dear friends. You're the joy and the crown I receive for my work. My goodness, Paul is saying something really profound. I thought that my joy and my crown would be Jesus. Paul is saying, no, no, no. Your joy and your crown are the disciples that you will disciple. When you go to heaven, the source of your joy and your crown will be the people that came before you or come after you that are there because of you. That's what it's going to be about. That there will be eternal joy because of lives you impacted. Remember we talked earlier about the eternal regret of the person who missed to impact his brothers. But on the other side, there's eternal joy because of the people are impacted for the gospel. This is, this is the best investment you can ever make with your life. Third John chapter 4, 3 John 4, it says, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. Oh my goodness. Joy is your portion. Yeah, yeah. Some of you have been wondering, how do I, how do I become a bit happier? I feel like I'm grumpy. I feel like... <laughs> Disciple some people. Joy will just become your portion. You're just going to find yourself joyful and wondering, how come I'm so joyful all the time? It's because you are discipling people. It's one of the rewards of making disciples, one of the rewards of being fruitful. Paul actually talked about this. He said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19 to 20, what is our hope, our joy, the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? This is what you'll be telling your disciples. Is it not you? Yeah. Pastor Angie, is it not you? Yeah, when I come to Jesus, I'll be saying, by the way, there's a chick called Angie. <laughs> She's my spiritual daughter and her husband called Nick. Great man. And Jesus will be dancing. He'll be like, yeah, there's fruit. <laughs> At you what? <laughs> That's exactly what's going to happen to you. That there will be, there'll be a, a party in heaven because of you. It's such a joyful thing, by the way, when you have fruit. So just extrapolate the greatest joy. When is the greatest joy you ever feel? What's like the happiest thing that you ever do? Some of you... At, at what? Eating. Kukula chakula. Eating a good meal. No, no. Think about yourself. What's that thing that makes you like, yes. Hanging out with family. Uh-huh. 
being with your girlfriends, hanging out with, uh-huh. You guys are never happy. My goodness, we need to pray prayers today of joy. <laughs> guys don't even know Pasanji in your church, what makes them happy? Yeah? Watching, watch, some of you, it's watching Man U or Liverpool. That's when you come alive, you know. Watching Man U lose. For some of you, it's watching Man U lose. <laughs> That's your greatest joy. <laughs> Such a sad joy. <laughs> Watching my new beat Arsenal. You know, it's like there are things that just make you so happy you forget yourself. Yeah? I, I love watching marathons. When someone like Kip wins, man, I, can, I feel so happy. I'm so joyful. But the eternal reward, the, of the fruitfulness that God, gives, that, that, that God gives you because of fruitfulness, it exceeds any earthly joy. Any earthly joy. It's a joy that just, Paul, Paul was willing, remember the Apostle Paul, he'd go and preach in a town, people oppose him, they beat him with stones and leave him for dead. And Paul would pick himself up, go back to the city, get bandaged and go and preach. Like what, what makes somebody so passionate, so excited? There must be a greater joy that will make him even go through the challenges because he knows there's a reward for me at the end of this. There's a joy that's there for you. Once you begin to understand this, you think you understand there's a joy that will come to you because of the fruitfulness. There are only two things that last into eternity. God's word and people. God's word and people. Be a good investor. Be a good investor. If you want to invest in something that the stock market will never affect, the economy will never affect, God's word and people. God's word into people. That's what it is. You make that investment, you will always be on the winning side. This, I think, is what God is saying to us today. I see people here who are going to experience rewards. I see people here who are going to experience some serious rewards in the house. I see people who are going to be so blessed because of what God is going to do in their lives. Through them. Yeah. By the way, I see some of you with children in other nations. Like nations will be blessing God because of you. Let me tell you, there's no, there's no greater joy. There's no greater joy than nations blessing God because of you. I think I've told this story before how Kara and I we, we go to places and people just, it's like they're seeing their parents. And it's the, li the least likely, I, I remember in, I shouldn't say this, because it's your network. There was a guy in Germany who was really stoic as I spoke. And I was really intimidated. You know how you, some of you, by the way, you have very serious faces, huh? <laughs> and even when I cracked a joke, you could see the guy... He, by the way, he wouldn't even blink. Eh? <laughs> he was looking so smart. And I still remember just when he came at the end. And then he hugged me. And he had tears in his eyes. And he said, because of this church, I became a Christian. I bless God for you. What? Like, I, I, even I was crying. I'm like, what? How? Because I was faithful. He said, because you were faithful, I'm here. Oh my gosh, there's no greater joy. There's no. I long for all of you to experience that joy. Yeah. I long for you to experience. I long for you to see that fruitfulness that will come. I long for you to see answered prayers. Acceleration in your life just because of the people who are saying amen every time you say a word. Ah, I, lo I long to see that for every one of us, that none of us will miss it. That's my longing for us. And so I want to 
I'm going to be praying in a minute. I I'm going to rush. Imagine you memorize your sermon. Yeah, it's 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 time for me to pray. But before we pray, I wanted to just say you've got the rewards of fruitfulness. I want you to keep those before you because it's not always easy to be fruitful, huh? And sometimes you'll be discouraged. You want to give up. You want to be like everybody else. Uh, once you enter this thing, it's like coming out of the matrix. Anybody watch the film The Matrix? It's like you've been pulled out of the matrix. But there's always the longing to go back because the matrix is the easy life. So the thing that will keep you going is just remembering there's a reward. There's a reward. There's a reward. Keep going. Fight the good fight. Finish this race. So I want to just let me say let me share a story. Okay, before you even build that, just just pause because that that thing is just making me get excited. <laughs> ready. It's getting me get ready before I'm ready. Let me tell us let me tell something before before I get ready. There's there's something that really struck me. Look, remember the things we have been unpacking this time with with the executive as, we, as we've been sharing at family night as we've been leading the church in this direction. It's because we really feel God wants us to lean into becoming a global movement. I feel like if we don't become a global movement, we will rob every one of you the opportunity to become the world changer you are created to be. That's what I feel. I feel like we will become guilty of cutting you short spiritually because each of you was created to impact nations. So if we don't help you become a movement, you will never become who God wants you to be. So for me, I have a sense of urgency that we will, stop being a, we will not be a cool church. We're going to become a movement. So, so if you see us teaching, 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 it's because of that. And as... I've studied movements as I've listened to God about it. I found some of the things I've taught you today, they happen in movements. The prayer, preaching, pastoring, planting, those are movement uh, values. They're also biblical values, by the way. But movements are the ones that have seen them and chosen to follow them. There's one other that I didn't mention that I think I'll just say because I feel it's, it's really, um, it's one that if we get it, it also has a real way of just opening up our, our thinking. And allowing us to flow with the Holy Spirit. And this, I find, is a missing key. It's a missing key in many places. And I discovered this key by accident, the first time I discovered it. I think right now I'm in a rediscovery of it. But I discovered it by accident the first time. I was in, uh, it was 2006, and we were in this. Uh, Mavuno was quite exciting. Uh, we had dared to do something that we had dreamt about, to start a church for people who didn't like church. We were seeing all the interesting people in town who never went to church coming to church. It was a really exciting time. But we also were like this small church that really wanted to make noise. So we had there's a, a choir coming. It's called Celebration Choir. They're, they're from a large church in Zimbabwe called Celebration Church. Um, really, really uh, uh, amazing church. And, and, and uh, when I had the coming, I was like, how can I get a piece of the action? Like, something is happening. I want to be part of this. So I found out the people who are bringing them were ICC, led by Pastor Philip Kitotona, his Bishop Philip, and I think it was uh, Woodley Sitam. So I was like, okay, can, I, can we participate? We'll give money, we'll do whatever you guys need us to do so that we can become the third party. And they, they graciously allowed us to come in. So the day of the, the, we went to the airport to meet them. We had a car entourage from our churches. And they came, there were 21 of them, and their senior pastor's wife, her name is Bonnie Dushela. She's actually a worship leader. Incredible. And so she came out of the plane with them. We, I can't remember which lounge we sat in. Uh, these guys had pulled their connections, so we're sitting in a really comfortable lounge. 
It was introduction time. And so basically what they thought, because of the numbers in the room, we couldn't go around saying everybody's name. So we, they just said, okay, that's a choir. Uh, here are the Kenyans. <laughs> you know, here are the churches. And then they said, let's introduce the leaders at least so you know who they are. And so we, we, I can't remember which of us went first, but uh, we, we just did the Kenyan thing that we knew. I was like, okay, my name is Murevi. I'm pastor of a church called Mavuno. It's a fantastic, I mean, we're so glad you're here. Uh, pastor Kitoto was like, my name's Phil, pastor of ICC. And I remember uh, Pastor John Wesley of Sitam at the time. He also introduced himself. Then we handed the mic over for the introduction. And lo and behold, it wasn't the pastor who took the mic. It was one of the other pastors, grabbed it and said, it is my honor and privilege to introduce to you a woman of God. And then he gave us CV that even us guys were like, eh? And then when he finished, they all stood up and did a standing ovation. Boor! And all of us were like, in fact, I remember I was thinking nervously, eh, was this the kind of thing we want to be part of? Because I was, I mean, like, what? Is this a bit overkill? What? Who? This is a pastor. It's a human being. So I remember I just, I, I downplayed it. We went in. I was still kind of thinking through it. That Friday, there was a, a dinner, really nice dinner. At a, uh, we went, I can't remember which hotel. Was it Grand Regency or one of those? And we had uh, the choir going to perform. It was like a high and mighty kind of thing. Invite the people in society who's who uh, for a gala dinner. So we did that. The choir was there. Uh, they, I mean, it was, it was really amazing. But I'll, the thing I won't forget about their performance was before the performance, uh, they introduced some of the dignitaries and they introduced our uh, foreign minister. I think it was Rafael Tuju at the time. And when he was introduced, we did the Kenyan thing. Like? Like, yeah, he's a minister, so we've seen presidents. <laughs> Me, I've even seen Barack Obama. He's just, just a minister. By the way, the Zimbabweans stood up and gave a standing ovation. And at that point, we were like, hey, okay, sour. These guys. And you know, that time Zimbabwe was like a poorer country. The ca we used to make jokes about the Zimbabwe dollar. I remember one time in Mavuno, I had done a ka thing of, I'm going to give $1,000 to anyone who answers this question. So the person answered, and I was like, come. I gave them 1000 Zimbabwean dollars. It was like two bob. They were so annoyed, you know. <laughs> they were so annoyed. So it was that time. Eh? So in my mind, the Zimbabweans were like the poorer cousins. But you know what happened? And by the way, whenever I say these things, if it's a Zimbabwean, please forgive me. I don't, I'm not proud. I'm bigoted just like many people. I, I judge stereotype. So that was the, it was the wrong way of thinking, but that's how I was thinking. So anyway, the, the next person to be introduced was Zimba the Zimbabwean ambassador. And again, it's like, Zimbabwean ambassador, good job. You guy, those 21 people, I can't even remember if they picked up chairs. They shouted, they yelled. You'd have thought Michael Jackson, the Pope, and Barack Obama had walked in together. Plus Beyonce, add her there. You know, it was so wild. It was so crazy. And I was like, so basically what happened, here's now the thing that happened. All of a sudden, as Kenyans, we found ourselves rising to our feet. It's like we had no choice. And we also started cheering loudly. And then there's something spiritual that happened in the atmosphere. I can't explain it. It was the most, at those days, I didn't quite understand some spiritual things. It just shifted in the atmosphere. All of a sudden, it's like the, 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 the weight or the importance shifted from us, the developed Kenyan people, and went to this Zimbabweans. And 
let me tell you, in that performance, they had so much authority, they could have told us to do anything and we'd have done it. There was just a power, a power about them that I was like, I haven't seen this. What gives them this authority? You know how people would ask Jesus, where are you getting this authority? That was what was my, where are they getting this authority? And they had this crazy performance and I remember just going home like, Did I, am I the only one who saw this thing? Or are there other people who noticed? Because I, I didn't even know what to talk about with Carol. But it was like, my mind was confused. The next day they come to Mavuno, we divided them into, into three groups of seven each because uh, we're sharing. You know, now you can't, you can't have the whole choir. And because I was the youngest church, I think I was given the group that didn't have a pastor. Uh, all the rest had pastors. So mine came, they were just regular congregation members. They sit at the front at Mavuno. I'll never forget at the South Sea Sports Club, we had like a stage just like this one. And they came up to introduce themselves. It was like they were going to do like, some, like a performance in the middle of the service. And so I, I think somebody, the service host introduced them. They came up. The lady said, actually she came up, the lady who was a leader. And she gave this introduction that really left us wondering. She was like, you know, as we were driving in the minibus coming here, we looked at this area. And if you know anything about South B, South C, they're like, we looked at all the mosques. We looked at all the temples all the places of worship to foreign gods. And we wondered, what kind of man would God raise to plant a church in this area? And they said, you know, we looked and we marveled and we said, this man must be so full of authority. This must be one of God's favorite sons. This is a person worthy of being honored. And she went on like this. And then she said, and today I want us, before we do anything, I want us to honor your pastor, Pastor M. Please come on stage. By the way, the whole introduction, me, I was wondering, I was waiting to see, who is this guy she's talking about, by the way? Because even me, I want to meet this guy. <laughs> like, I was, honestly, I was so clueless, and everybody in Mavuno was completely clueless. Because we didn't, we had never had an introduction like that. So even us, we were waiting to hear, yeah, the guy next door is a serious pastor, you know. And they said, Pastor Marini, come up. And then they stood up, the seven of them, and they gave me, like, a standing ovation. To be honest, I'd never received a standing ovation in my life, yeah? But not only that, it was such, we did it with such conviction, the whole of Mavuno, I'm sure, per, per, you were there that day, because you can't, you're not Askaiva, you used to come to church. Yeah, you were there. All of them stood up. And they, I mean, the whole of Mavuno, by the way. And even then, they found themselves shouting at the top of their voice. Yay! I don't even think they knew what they were doing. I think, again, that same thing happened. The spiritual thing happened. And all of a sudden I said, how is this woman getting my people to do this? Because these are Mavunites. You know Mavunites. They don't do things like this. And from then on, they, they gave me some gifts. Then they had a performance at Mavuno that in that whole year, and you know Mavuno had Kina Kanji, Kina Aaron. We had the people. We're the ones who are doing the performances. Huh? They did this thing. I'd never seen Mavunites dance like that. I'd never seen people worship like that. It was like they took ch charge of the church and it became their church. And I was completely confused. In fact, I remember going to the airport and, I, and, I, and met Pastor Kitoto, uh, Bishop Kitoto, and I asked him, Phil, did you see what I saw? Me, in Sunday, this is what happened. And he told me, the exact same thing happened in my church. And I'm still trying to figure out what's going on. I remember going back to God's word. I said, God, teach me. What happened? What was that? And that's when I began to realize that there's a principle that many Christians never benefit from in their life, a spiritual principle. That when you understand it, it changes everything. And it's a principle of honor. Nobody had ever taught me about honor. All the years, and by the way, I'd been a Christian. I'd worked in church for 13 years, 14 years by that point. Nobody had ever, I'd never had a sermon on honor. I'd never had a teaching on honor. I'd never read a book on honor all those years. 
And honor, I realized, was a missing key. There's something that was happening because of the honor these people had for themselves, for their leaders. It just, like, all of a sudden, in fact, I remember that time when they appreciated their minister, their, their ambassador, I felt like the thought process in the room was, if that's how you appreciate their ambassador, I wonder who these people are. You get? It's like, it's like right now, if one of you came and you ran out and a car opened and there's a military general who stood up here looking very serious, being saluted by many guys. And then you hugged him, grabbed your bag and came back. And he said, that's my father. How will people treat you? It's like, hey, that's your father. Maybe you've been sitting around them, giving them high five. Now you salute them. You're like, hey, <laughs> if that's your father, I wonder who you are. Isn't that the process? It's like the way they treated their leaders, the way they honored, caused them to become a people of honor. And I remember I went to God's word, and I remember teaching a whole series on honor. That's the first time I taught about honor in Mabuno Church. And I even remember that Nairobi Chapel, the church I came from, they, they, were, they were like, what is this strange teaching? Come and teach us. So I went and taught them. I told Pastor Oscar, leave. I, want, I don't want you here this month. I want to talk to your people without, with permission from you. And he gave me permission to talk to his people. And I, I, I really talked to them about honor because I realized we had been a dishonorable people. Nobody ever taught us. There was a lot of tears and repentance that month. And some things began to shift in Mavono. Things began to shift in Nairobi Chapel because of that. I feel like in my studies of movements, I began to rediscover the importance of honor. That there's no global movement that has succeeded of the gospel without honor as a value and as a culture. There's something that God does when there's honor that I'd never understood. If you ever read the, the, the passage, the one of the, I think it's the shortest psalm, Psalm 133. It's, it's such a simple psalm. And it talks about, remember that story? It's one of unity. Oh yeah, how good, let's read it together. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like priceless oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard. And then look at, uh, down the collar of his robe. And then it says, it is as if the dew of Hammon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. And here's the thing I've come to understand about honor. I remember uh, I actually wanted to write a book about honor. And then Apmo wrote the book, the, the Practice and Principle of Honor. He beat me to it. And so I didn't write the book. I think I might still write one. I think I might still write one because I think there's so much that God has said about honor in his word. It's just such a, when you start looking for it, you see it everywhere. And, and he, he <laughs> so this passage, he's the one who taught it the first when I heard about it. And he said, you know, when we talk about how good and pleasant when brothers and sisters dwell in unity, we always assume that unity is a horizontal factor. It's a horizontal thing. That unity is when all of us are equal all of us have equal say. Everybody is consulted, and that's unity. But you know, when this passage teaches about unity, it gives a very different picture. It gives a picture that is vertical. Because when it talks about unity, then it points to the leader, the spiritual leader of the community. It says, let's talk about Aaron and see what happens. The oil that's being poured on Aaron was a special oil. If you read the book of Leviticus, there's a book, a special oil that God ordained would be poured only on the high priest. It was very precious. By the way, it was even something that you'd be in problems if you tried to use it for anything else. 
It was made of the most precious resources. It signified anointing and blessing. In this passage, any Israelite who reads it would understand that this is not normal blessing because it talks about the oil starting from the head. It flows down the sides of the beard. It flows down to the robe. It flows down all the way to the edges of his garment. Like this was not a few drops of precious oil. This was an abundance of anointing that was not seen in normal times. And he's saying, God is saying, when there's unity in the church, the blessing is that kind of anointing. It's that kind of abundance. But look at what happens. The word down is repeated at least three or four times in this passage. He says, it is a sieve. Uh, he says, it's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard. So it starts on the head. It runs down on the beard. Running down on Aaron's beard. Down on the collar of his robe. He just down, down, down. Kingdom vertical. Kingdom, kingdom unity is vertical. It always starts from the head and it flows downwards. And that is why the people who understand effectiveness in this world, the best model for effectiveness in this world is an army. If you ever want to see real unity, go to an army. Armies don't have this. Armies are unified. But that unity is very different from, okay, so who, who is going to say we charge today? Let's discuss whether we should charge. No, in an army they understand honor. They understand there's, that there's a control center. And because of that, they win battles. There's unity. And what happens in the Bible, it says it's even, even more than, a, than an army. It says when the church is unified in the same way, when God's people are unified in the same way, that God commands a blessing. It's what I call the bless the Lord effect. If you want to go into a church where there's a bless the Lord effect, look for honor. Uh, when we went into Pastor Jimmy's church, that's what we saw. We saw a bless the Lord effect. It's like it leaves you just going, what the heck was that? Like, how are people so happy? This is illegal. Are they smoking something? Are they giving out cookies with, with, with weed at the gate? What's wrong with these people? Are they okay? Like, there's such a unity and such a love for each other. You're like, what is this? What you're experiencing is a bless the Lord effect. There's something there. When you go into a worship harvest, how many people came to worship harvest with us? In Wasn't that crazy? It's like the bless. You're there even you're wondering, Hiya. How is it that these people are so unified? Why, what is causing this to happen? It's that bless the Lord effect. And that bless the Lord effect only comes to people who understand honor. Apmo will be the first one to tell you, two years ago, they never taught honor. It was not a thing. Though uh, the coolest church in town, cool churches don't talk about honor. Uh, cool churches are churches for cool people. And he says, we never ever taught it. In fact, he says, I was never called anything else except Mo Mose. We used to call him Mose. And he'd say, don't, if you say, I'd, I'd even try to call him Pastor Moses. like, no, 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 Moses. It was horizontal. But he says, the day we understood that kingdom unity is vertical, boom, bless the Lord. We're planting churches. People are getting saved. Our discipleship groups are multiplying because we've understood the bless the Lord effect. Why do I want to talk about this? I, I really believe that honor is not for the person you're honoring. It's for you. That there's something that happens when we begin to understand. And this is a, it's, it's a crazy thing, like I said earlier, about Bishop Oscar. When I began to understand, this is not just a good man. That I didn't choose him. That God is the one who put me in his lineage. I didn't, I didn't actually choose him. You, you know, sometimes people think they chose. You think you chose South because you were looking for a church. But actually, it's the Holy Spirit who chose you to be part of South. That's why you didn't settle anywhere else and you came here. Yeah, you didn't choose yourself. God chose you. Jesus says, you didn't choose yourself. I chose you. And appointed you to, be, to bear fruit. Yeah. Fruit that will last. And so, 
when you begin to understand, my goodness, I didn't choose Pastor Angie. God chose her as my spiritual authority. And I choose to honor her, not because of her age, not because of how beautiful she is, even though she's beautiful. Yeah? Not because she's so eloquent, even though she's eloquent. It's not because of any of those things. It's because she is God's authority in my life. And God will bless me through her. That when you choose to honor her in that way, boom, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord begins to happen. I really believe God wants this for us, God's people. We are fighting upstream. We are fighting upstream. This is not a lesson our culture will understand easily. People call you, in fact, I've seen in, on KOT, they call it sheeple. Sheep that are also people, Christians. You people just follow. You sheeple. It's an insult for Christians. You're sheeple. You don't question. You just follow. And the world will always criticize people who follow. The world will always criticize. It's like, think for yourself. Do your own thing. Don't just be told what to do. Okay, fine. Do it. But you know what? You look anywhere in scripture and find people who succeeded by thinking for themselves. I've come to understand that originality is completely overrated. It's so overrated. I mean, this is why African countries have not advanced. I remember in President Moy's time, may he rest in peace, that the man, there was a whole initiative to invent a Kenyan car. pioneer. Like we went back to the foundational principles to invent a car from scratch. It never worked. You know what the Japanese did? You know what the Koreans did? They went and took a German car. I said, this is the best car in the world. Let's reverse engineer it. And the first, I think, Sangyong. What are those? Sangwat. Sangyong. That car was basically a German Opel car. Muso. Eh? It's a German car. And then they just changed the way the car. But it's a German car inside. In fact, if you open the engine, you find a German engine. Initially, they weren't even pr pr producing engines. They would actually get the engine and then build the, the body with their steelworks. Then eventually, they became so good, now they even reproduce the engine. And now, they are one of the leading, the Asians are the leading manufacturers of cars in the world. You can't catch up with Korea. You can't catch up with, with Japan. That's how they did fridges. They never invented anything. They, didn't, they were not original. They copied and made it better. You have to start somewhere. None of us is self-made. If you're always going to start from scratch, because you're such an original thinker. You never go where God wants you to go. There is a place to step on. Isaac Newton says, if I can see far, it's because I've stood on the shoulder of giants. Yeah. And some of us, because we've never been taught to stand on the shoulders of giants, we're always trying to, stand, to jump up and down to see far. You can never compete with somebody who stands on the shoulders of a giant. And I believe that God is challenging us in this church that we will be an army. We'll be people who understand order. We'll be people who understand honor. Because I believe that when we do, we become unstoppable. Hebrews 12, 11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. My goodness, yeah. This following thing, it's not easy. But it changes your life. You know, it's very interesting because I said, when, 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 when I, the way I know that, I'm Bishop Oscar's son and he sees me as his son. It's because he said it many times. And I've gone to visit him and he's talked to people about me as his son. I've gone to other nations 
I remember going to America once and I said, I'm radio. I've heard your name. Wait. I was at a conference and Pastor Oscar, you know Pastor Oscar? He spoke about you. Like in his talk, to a talk of, he was talking to 5,000 people. And actually he quote, he said, my son, Muredi Wanjao, let me talk to you about him. I'm like, what? Like I even had to go and look for the talk <laughs> to find, my goodness, I'm actually his son. Why? Because I've postured myself to honor the man. Now we've talked about honor, so I won't belabor this. We've talked about honor at family night. Uh, you can go online and see some of those talks. But we talked about the fact that, you know, you need to give honor to those whom honor is due. And when we start to become an honor culture, we become unbeatable. Uh, Judges 5.2, I love that verse. It talks about the time when uh, those Israel was under oppression. And there's a guy called Barak who was asked to lead, and he was very reluctant at first. Finally, he agreed to lead. And then there were the Israelites who had been oppressed for 20 years. All, te- all 12 tribes had been oppressed for 20 years. But when Barak stood up to lead, two of the tribes... I think it was Naphtali and somebody else. can't remember the other one. But they came. It was Issachar, something like that. They came together around this guy called Barak. And they beat an enemy that had oppressed them for 20 years. Like 20 years of oppression, the people had superior technology. They had chariots of iron. This was the Iron Age. They were the kings of the area. They oppressed them so much that Israel's grown for 20 years. But the minute a leader stood up and said, I will lead, And then Israelites, two tribes, came and said, we will follow this man. Boom. This is what happens in Judges 5.2. Do you have Judges 5.2? Imano, just find me Judges 5.2 if you have it. Okay. Okay, let's read it together. When the princes in Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves. Come on, let's see it. Praise the Lord. Boom. Something happened. All of a sudden, God's blessings could flow. God could command a blessing upon his people because for the first time, there was unity around a leader. So many times, we go around wondering, how come there's no, there's no victory? How come we're just going around in circles? How come I'm still praying the same prayers I was praying five years ago? How come? But we don't understand that, my goodness, there's an acceleration that comes to us when we start thinking together and following together. Um, I, I, I say this with all humility. When I ask guys to pray at 4.30, there's nothing spiritual about 4.30. It could have been 4. It could have been 6. It could have been 5. In Korea, they pray at 6 to 7. Uh, in worship harvest, they pray 5 to 6. So 4.30, there's nothing spiritual about it. The only reason why it has been so effective for so many people is because I said it, and people who normally would have said, but why 4.30 said, he has spoken, we're doing it at this time. Boom! Bless the Lord. Not bless Pastor Moredi, bless the Lord. Like God himself is the one who does it. He commands his blessing. Because he says, there's an aligned group here. There's a people where there's unity. I command my blessing. I believe that in your churches, that God is going to bless these churches. Every church here as we begin to rally around the voice of the prophet he's given that church. I believe, Pastor Victor and Zedi, that God has given you a voice in Mavuno Sekumao. Yeah. In Mavuno Connect. And that you're going to be an unlocker of destinies for all the people in Mavuno Connect. Yeah. There are things they would never achieve in their biological families except that you're there in their home. There's a role for biological parents. Absolutely. We don't replace them in the church. 
and they're still your father and mother and they have inheritance for you in the biological realm. But you need to understand if your Mavuno connect, these guys have your inheritance in the spiritual realm. And God will bless you because of your pastors. And it's not because they are qualified. Listen to me. It's not because they are qualified. In fact, they do it with fear and trembling. I've talked to Pastor Zedi and she's told me, I'm so young, I tremble. I don't even know if anyone can ever listen to me. I tell her, it's not about you. It's about the God who has placed you in this position. Yeah. So Mavuno Connect, you need to understand, these are your pastors. God is going to unlock blessings to you because of them. Because of them. I see their pastor standing behind them. Pastor Victor, Pastor Penina. These are your destiny helpers. They are going to help you in your destiny. And I bless God because of you. By the way, that church of yours is so blessed. As in God can just build a house for you like that without Bila Jasho. If you're in Connect, that is your portion in Jesus' name. Yeah. It's your portion. Thank you so much. You can sit. By the way, I came to understand that every blessing God gives me as a parent is for my children. Every blessing. Because what else is it for? So when God blesses me, I know Moini is blessed. I know Erimo is blessed. I know Anjai is blessed. But they, they don't even ask. They just know we are blessed. If, I, if they see me with a new blessing, I come home with a new car. They, they say, oh, we have a car. <laughs> they don't even process at it's your car. They're like, we have. Because my blessing is their blessing. So it happens in the spiritual realm. That God gives you spiritual leaders and their blessing is your blessing. So Pastor Kara and I began to realize every blessing God gives us, it's, not, it's never for us. It's for the sake of our spiritual children and the children God has given us. People of Mavuno South, you're so blessed. You're so blessed. Pastor Angie and, and Nick, I mean, these guys are, they're such, they're such godly people. But again, God didn't consult any of us, including myself about who they will be, about who your pastors would be. In his counsel with his angels, he nominated that Pastor Angie and Pastor Nick are the ones who are going to lead. And I've talked to Pastor Nick. I mean, Pastor Nick is not the guy who likes to be in the front. He may rather be serving at the back, doing his own thing. But he had no choice about it. It's not him who picked himself. Pastor Angie, you had, she wanted to be a children's pastor. But somehow, God put her above you in the spiritual realm. And as a result, she's going to open up the destinies of anybody in Mavuno South. It's just the way it's going to happen. And it's not because they're, listen to me, it's not be, some of you are more brilliant than your pastors. But that's not why God is going to bless you through them. It's because you align yourself with them for the inheritance God has for his church. Yeah? Uh, Pastor George and Nyambura. Hey. Uh, uh. Yeah. We thank God for you. We really thank God for you. I mean, Pastor George, as you heard, he came to play keyboard. <laughs> he was a church kid. He did not want to plant a church. He saw his father planting a church all his life. And the last thing he wanted to do was plant a church. But God, God had a different plan. And he decided, I'm going to raise up a man and a woman in this area to, to become spiritual authorities for the people that I want to raise up in this area. And because of them, I want to speak that the, the destinies of the people of this church are unlocked because of them. They're unlocked because of them. And listen to me, it's not because they're less, they're, they're more spiritual. God doesn't pick that way. In fact, sometimes he picks very unspiritual people. I'm speaking about myself. <laughs> he doesn't look for the, he's not looking for the most qualified person. 
But like I said, when he had that counsel in heaven to consult who would be the leader in your church, you were not consulted. He didn't ask us. He picked them. And because of them, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. And I bless God for you. Thank you for standing up and saying, Lord, we're going to lead. Even though, as you had, she came to my to Mavuno, she was suspicious, looking around every corner, which box are these people going to try and put us in? Huh? It wasn't our box. Jesus had a box for you already. He created you for that box. So we bless God for you. Thank you so much. I mean, Pastor, Pastor Grace. What? What? I thank God for you, Pastor Grace. Yeah? I mean, Pastor Grace is the conduit for blessing for anybody he's put in that family called Mavuno Karen. And it's not because she's chosen to be qualified. In fact, she does this with fear and trembling. Pastor Grace, oh my goodness, she's such an amazing woman. She just loves Jesus. And many times she's so out of her depth because you know Karen is not an easy place to plant a church. It's a hard place. But you know what? God has appointed you, Pastor Grace. And as people honor you, and serve you and listen to your voice. You may not even have the best idea in the room, but you know what? The, thought, the fact that God has placed you in that place of authority, he will bless even your bad ideas. That they, will, they are going to bless people. People's destinies will be unlocked by your ideas and by the word of your mouth. Even your bad ideas, God will use. Yeah. So, so thank you. I, want, I just want you to understand this. It's just the way it works in the spirit. That it's not necessarily about having... Eli was a... Eli, that guy who even God said, Ichabod, like the glory has departed. He was letting his sons run rampant, sleep with prostitutes. He was the wrong priest. But he told that woman, call Hannah, God has had you. Like God brought Samuel's mother to him because he had a role of spiritual authority. And God could not bless without Eli uttering the words. By this time, God will have answered your prayer. It's not about the righteousness of the priest. And I'm not trying to, of course, as priests, you need to be righteous. When God calls you to be a disciple, it's you to be righteous. You need to be. But what I'm trying to remove is this thing of, no, it's because of the person's spiritualness of qualification. It has nothing to do with that. It's about you choosing to say, I choose to follow this person. I choose to submit to them unto the Lord. I choose to listen to their counsel. I choose to even honor them when I have an opportunity to honor and to pray for opportunities to honor them, to speak well of them. This is what opens doors for movements. And you know what? When you begin to do that, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. The least of you will, cha will put an army to flight. That's, that's what I've seen in movements. The least becomes a mighty army. When I meet guys from RCCG, the least of them puts an army to flight. Have you met RCCG people? Your sister is even a pastor. As in they have pastors, Kenyans in Nairobi who are pastors who travel to, to Nigeria every year. And they all, they all have, the, she actually uses her own money because she has a job to buy that ticket to go. But the least, I mean, your sister is a mighty army right now. She speaks with such authority because of the authority God has given her. Hey, listen, people, there's authority in this church. I really believe, and, and like I said, I, I was not leading well because I didn't understand the apostolic role God had given me to unlock destinies. And I came and apologized to my exec team. And I said, guys, I'm sorry I've not led you well. I'm sorry I've not given you the chance to honor me and I've, I've held you back from your blessing. I said, from today, I want you to understand I'm your spiritual father. And I want you to relate to me in that way. And I can tell you, since that began, something has shifted. In Mavuno Church, as in even our own, the destinies of this church were being unlocked because 
we were not honoring in this space. I had not taught you to honor. And right now, destinies are being unlocked in this church simply because of the alignment in this team. I believe this alignment is only a reflection of the alignment happening in Mavuno Church. That you are going to become a people of honor. Let me, let me just make this really plain, guys. And I want to just say this because I really believe the Lord wants... We've come from a culture that teaches us not to honor. It teaches us not to honor. So I don't, I'm not saying this to put anyone to shame, but that's the culture we come from. Pastor Kilonzi talked about it. Put on your videos. And, Pastor Angie, I mean, I, 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 I'm not telling on you, but I'm not telling on the team, but I was in a prayer meeting with South this week, on Friday, when Pastor Rita, where is Pastor Rita? <laughs> Pastor Rita Chitwa, huh? Pastor Rita Chitwa. And she led so powerfully. You guys, we were so blessed as a family. By the way, we didn't leave that meeting. We left about half an hour later. We don't usually do that. But even the kids didn't want to go away. We just were discussing that prayer meeting. She led with such anointing. But you know, Pastor Rita said like 10 times, 15 times. Okay, turn on your videos. And I think she thought, let me just raise my voice. They didn't hear, turn on your videos now. <laughs> the, sa the same eight videos that were on at the beginning when she started talking are the ones that stayed on the whole meeting. The rest of us are like, Pastor Rita, I was feeling for you. I even wanted to stop you and say, why are you guys harassing the poor woman of God? Do you know how hard it is to lead? When you're given a chance to lead and people refuse to, you will see how hard it is. But guys, there's a thing. And interesting, she said, let's go into confession. I almost wanted to stop the meeting and say, let's first confess for disobedience. Because here we're asking God to bless us, and yet we are disobeying the very first command that he gave us in the morning. Turn on your videos. Are you understanding what I'm talking By the way, I'm, this is not to put to shame. I love you guys with the love of Jesus. I did not feel anything. I didn't even go around to see, okay, let me see which videos are off. I didn't do that because I understand we've not taught it. We've not taught it. But you need to understand that when your leader asks you to do something and you choose not to, number one, you are in disobedience at that point but num and dishonor. But number two, you are teaching your disciples. So I thought of all the discipleship group leaders who are there who did not honor. And I thought of all the people after you who are failing in life because you're teaching them to fail. You're teaching them not to honor. We can't be those people, people. We have to be different. I believe that God has called us to be an army. I believe that this South Network is just, oh my God, this is the smallest you'll ever be. I love Rongai. I love this venue, but it's too small for this network. The next gathering, you will have to get a bigger space because this is the least you'll ever be. God wants to do some huge things through this network, guys. So let's not stand in the way. Don't be the one who misaligns. You know, the Bible says when there's unity, God commands. God is just like, he's about to command. It's about, there's no unity. The pastor spoke. There's no unity. Nobody obeyed. Nobody listened. And you know the thing about it is, it's not even about obeying her. It's the fact that when I learn to negotiate when she says something as simple as turn on your video, when Jesus tells me, give money to that person, I do exactly the same thing. I leave my video off for a while, I think. And we do that many times daily. And remember I said, your revelation is only as good as your last point of obedience. And so there's some of you, God has not spoken in a long time. But it's because you have not cultured, you've not taught yourself to be a person of honor. So honor starts with small things. When we're children, we taught our children to honor us. And it was a very interesting revelation because nowadays, people, 
parents are taught to honor their children. It is completely the doctrine of hell. The child cries, oh, baby. And it's like, you're just, you rock them, and that time you're so sleepy. And you're rocking them, and you're honoring them, because they're the boss of your home. What are you teaching your children? No, you're, you're destroying your children. Their boss will not rock them when they start bringing problems at work. They'll be fired, because you taught them that the world retreats around them. I had to teach my kids, and I'm teaching you free parenting. When my kids were young, I took over. By the way, it is a father's role to do sleep training. Let me just put that out for the men. Uh, it's a father's role because, <laughs> because women, women are, they, they get a bit sentimental and attached on this one, and they need help. And, and, and so here's what, here's what I would do. I just, told, I just told my wife, you've had the baby the whole day, chill. I got the night shift. When the baby cries, I make sure the baby is fed well. Well, until they're, you know, you can, you know, you can touch the stomach, it's just packed. I'm like, cheers. When that one cries now at 11, I come, I check the nappy, the diaper, okay, there's a need for change, put change. Then I put them back to bed. I, I get water. Because I knew if I get milk, this child knows they have positioned, they have now conditioned me to be waking up to feed them milk. So I give them water just in case they're dehydrated. I don't want them to die, isn't it? <laughs> the mother is not here, she, but I've told her, I've confessed this many years later. I give water. Because <laughs> she wants milk. I'm like, I can tell you're well fed. I can tell you've drunk. I can tell you've no poop in your diaper. Lala. I lock the door. In fact, there are times I would move the court because our court had to another room far from our room so the mother doesn't hear. And I wake up very early and return her baby. By the way, you... <laughs> and mothers, please let, 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 let the guy do his work. And then we taught, we, are taught, we taught our children to honor us. So when they were very young, they wake up, they would take turns. Who's brushing daddy's shoes and mommy's as you're brushing your own? They take turns. When they could wash clothes, they learn to wash our clothes. It's a battleship. That sounds like child abuse. It's not. I remember my son going to high school and we took him to a boarding school because he was making, he, was, he had too much cash in St. Christopher's. He was like, this boy is too rich. I don't know where he's getting money. So we took him to a boarding school in Shags. The guy came back rolling with cash. So I asked him, how did you get this money? He said, you know, none of these kids know how to wash clothes. <laughs> he said, I just made a, sh I made a, ca a list, a laundry list, and I just passed it around. 50 bob. The guy was rocking. He was even a car, I think there was even credits where guys are like, you owe me this much. Goja, half time I'll get pocket money, I pay you. I told the boy, where? You're going to get lost. <laughs> but those are skills, I was teaching him life skills. By learning to honor your parents, you're actually growing as a person. It doesn't diminish you. It strengthens you. And so teach your children to honor you because if you don't teach them to honor you, the day you'll say do and they'll be crossing a road and you'll say stop and the child doesn't know to stop when they hear your voice. They'll keep going and it will kill them. Wow. It's actually dangerous for them not to understand your voice. It's the same thing in the spiritual realm. You understand that your pastor, God gives them warnings for you. God gives them words for you. Sometimes the words don't make sense but God gives them a word for you. Learn to listen to it and to discern the voice of the spirit through your pastor. And choose to follow. Sometimes it's not your pastor, it's your DG leader. And some of you would say, I'd rather, 
Okay, I'll honor Pastor Angie, but my DG leader, do you know who they are? They have a past. They have issues. Trust me, when God was choosing the leader for that DG, he didn't consult the DG. Yeah. So that person is your spiritual authority in that space. And how you follow them is how you're preparing yourself to lead in the spiritual realm. Because you can never be a great leader if you'll not be a great follower. It's just a thing I learned in life. By the way, if you put me in a following situation, I try to, out, I try to be the best follower in any space. I serve, whenever I'm put on a board to serve, I always enter that board saying, the CEO is our leader. I'm here to make them look good. I'm here to give the best advice I can so that they succeed. I'm not here for myself. I'm here to serve their agenda. So just being able to understand, when you're in a situation where you're not the leader, how do you honor and serve that leader and help them succeed? It's a spiritual principle, and I can tell you, bless the Lord. You're going to walk in bless the Lord. You're going to walk in bless the Lord. This is your portion. You will walk in bless the Lord. You will hear that word said over you, bless you. I bless you. Pastor Oscar said that over me many times, I bless you. Bishop Masika, who is another person that God has allowed to be a mentor in my life, he's told me many times, I bless you. I bless you. I mean, on, the, on his, I think, it, I can't remember what, my fear, she's the one who tells me all the stories. She collaborates my stories. When Pastor Oscar was 60, I was, I was a speaker in his event. When Bishop Masika, I can't remember, it was 40 years in ministry, I was the speaker. Like he called me and all the pastors he's been serving alongside for many years because he's a man who's got so much authority. Some, you guys know Bishop Masika. And he, he, they were asking him, who is this Muredi? We've never heard of him. Like he's a pastor from Nairobi and why him? And the girl was like, but he's my spiritual son. And can you believe I spoke there with bishops, governors, and I'm the guy, he, uh, he just told me, you have a word for these people, you give it to them. There's a bless the Lord effect in my life because I've understood how to honor the fathers and mothers God has put in my life. I desire that for you as well. I desire that for you as well.